the truth warrior David Whitehead. I I I I jolly well hope that we we the the first part of this podcast is recorded. Otherwise, it's going to be bloody short because I've got like half an hour left before my wife gets back and says, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I thought it was going to be you know. Um, but we were talking about we we'd kind of cut to the chase, hadn't we? And we were talking about who really runs the world, and you mentioned. Oh, King Charles, as he as, as he now is, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with the the royal family in the UK and how we how we view them um, most, or at least how normies view the royal family. So they look at Prince Charles as he was now King Charles, and they think, well, the guy's a bit thick. He he was he was given a place at Cambridge because basically because he was a royal, not because he was he was um, intelligent enough to get a place at Cambridge on his own. And he read some nondescript degree, got a sort of a lower second, I think. Um, he talks to plants, he bumbles around, he's got a he's got a, a valet who put who puts his toothpaste on his toothpaste for him. And, uh, you know, he, he was married to to Diana and he kind of lucked out there and then he but but his real love was always Camilla and so you get the kind of bumbling oaf uh character and when you're when you read in the papers about the royal family's finances it's always like the queen was famously very frugal Charles's mother was famously very frugal, and there was always the suggestion that they weren't that rich. That you know, she 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 used to go round the round the Buckingham Palace, turning off the lights and stuff. Now, is this all just a, a carefully constructed myth, like part of the part of the psyop? Would you say? I believe so. Um, I believe so. I think there's a, a real dark side to the royal family, um, and it's you just see the. I mean, I don't have any damning evidence other than the fact that, I mean, the guy was hanging out with people like Jimmy Seville, who we do have damning evidence on. You got yeah. Prince Andrew, who is out there hobnobbing with the likes of Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates and, and friends. Um, and as much as they try to distance themselves from these things, is that just public relations management? Is that just image management? Um, you know, how involved are all the members of the royal family? That's sort of a, a, a speculative debate there. But... I look at the history of it and the fact that people worship these guys like they're they're sort of like these idyllic moral people that tried their best and yeah they got a few issues here and there but they don't see any deep conspiracy behind it. Um, whereas I think of uh, you know the history of I got many friends that come from Ireland, Scotland, and whatnot that would have a totally different perspective than people in America or people in Britain about the royals. Um, there's the convoluted history, the whole Saxe Coburg Gotha thing, the connections to other royal families, um, the connections. There, there's just many interesting connections. And then also realizing, think of someone like Queen Elizabeth, uh, who recently passed. We don't know how recent. Um, and you think of the fact that even at her own funeral, she has these high ranking Freemasonic magician type guys doing like wand ceremonies. Uh, over yeah. the casket, which is, is really only reserved for people that are very high up in some of these different Masonic hierarchies and whatnot. And, and so again, I'm just saying there's little instances of smoke that you start to look into. You got the statements by Princess Diana. You got the, the what I believe was the murder of Princess Diana. 
um, and many other things that you start to go, well, if there's smoke, is there fire? And then when you, but for me, it clinches it when you have him siding with the World Economic Forum and the, and the globe and the, you know, the Al Gore's of the world and the Bill Gates and the George Soros's of the world and these kinds of people. And so you're sort of, yeah, they're guilty by association in many cases. And it just really makes you wonder how this network and this hierarchy really works. Uh, the queen, of course, pervades over the Order of the Garter, which is a high-level Masonic uh, order. Uh, she's also a Knight of Malta, which are a Dame of Malta, I guess you could say. The Knights of Malta are a, uh, a, a military order that have complete sovereignty, uh, and they have had since, you know, the, the 1300s or whatever. Um, and they are sort of a – they're an organization I look into in my Cult of the Medic series. And so there's many connections there. And so I just start to look back and say, maybe we need to pull the curtain on these royals and see what's really been going on. But we can't get past everybody's just this love and adoration for the image that's projected about these people. And I just challenge that image and say, I think that's a lot of propaganda. I think there's something very insidious there. Were, were, you, were you ever of the view that the royal family were a good thing? Have you always been suspicious of them? Or was this part of your uh, awakening? That was part of my awakening. I, I was when I was young. I was very much into the medieval period, the knights and the shining armor and the and the glorious battles and and you know the, even my own grandmother. She served in the war, World War Two. She was a seamstress for the Air Force. My grandfather's from Britain, and he fought in the British Army during the war. And of course, they had nothing but respect for the royals. Uh, they would probably hate the fact that I have any kind of criticism. But because they're symbols, they're, they're symbols of the West. They're symbols of all these things. But uh, I just think that that's all play. That's all stagecraft uh, to manage their public image and keep the public just yearning for more, not realizing that they're glorifying uh, some people that I think are not worthy of that and that we have a lot of serious questions about. So that's just my view. Uh, there's also other royals. You know, you think of the Dutch history my mother's side is from holland uh so you know you've got queen beatrice of the netherlands you've got these types of people who are all bilderbergers um there's even been some interesting research to show connections to the british royals the vatican and the nazis right um i don't again have anything damning on that but it is there are some interesting ties there oh i think um, edward, so, edward the eighth actually cost um thousands of canadian lives by yeah by giving away secrets to the to the Nazis. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it, it, you just wonder, like, the, it, it, this is why I look at the whole thing, is that there's the people put out in front, as, as you were saying with Hollywood, right? Like, if someone's yeah. a lifelong, very successful, powerful actor, um, you wonder, they must have rubbed shoulders with the people that really run Hollywood. There must be something going on. We don't know for sure, but we know enough to know that if you've been at that level for that long, you must have had to shake some hands with the devil at some point, right? So I see it's the same with these royals or any of these public figures that they're putting in your face. And um, if you really look behind the scenes of it, as we have so many times in history, like everybody used to glorify Mao Zedong, we used to glorify Stalin, used to glorify Hitler, used to glorify all of these people. And when you get behind the scenes, you go, oh, wait, <laughs> something really evil and dark going on. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with having some suspicion. And then when you do the research, I just say it again, you know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And uh, I have a lot of suspicion and it's been developed over the years. That's definitely for sure. Do you think 
that the black nobility is the same as the nobility. I mean, so so I've, t- I've, I've given you a sort of short version of what we think about what the average person thinks of as the raw of the raw family in, in, in the UK. In the same way, we are sold this image of aristocrats with titles which are no longer which no longer have any any value or meaning in the modern age they're living in their crumbling piles they are always desperate for cash and they're not sure how to raise it because they are irrelevant in this modern age there's an image of of these slightly put upon figures um who are struggling to make their way in the world and we should kind of feel sorry for them um is that the case or is that another part of the sale? That's part of the sale. That's part of the, I call it public relations management. You know, you got to keep the, uh, they do this with politics all the time. If you have someone like a Joe Biden, who's got nothing but criminal history, like you couldn't believe and who knows what's why he's sniffing kids and all that crap. Uh, they have the public relations management team go in the media and, and cleanse his image to the best that they can, as hard as that is. And it's the same with so many other, like so many other of these guys. And so I can't help but imagine that it's the same with these royals as well, if not more so, because think of Queen Elizabeth. How do you go that long with little, like zero negative press covers, really? Like it's it's just her pristine image. She's seen as like the Mother Mary. Uh, she's worshipped as sort of a modern goddess, you know, Um and, yeah. and then you go, well, what did she actually do? Like, what, what was it that was so grand other than just the image that was projected all over the place? You know what I mean? Although, I mean, they never went back to Canada, did they? Well, they already got Canada cinched. They don't have to go back to Canada. So they've already got us in the bag. Our governor general here is essentially uh, a, somebody that is representing that royal family from Britain, in my, or the bankers, at least, in Britain. What, so, I guess what I mean I don't know whether you've heard the story. I'm not going to tell it if you don't know it, but no. Sorry, what, what's this? Maybe the I story, have it. Maybe the so. story, no, the story about the Queen and, and Prince Philip visiting Canada. Oh, tell me. Oh, no, no, I can't. I can't. It, 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 it's, it's so dark uh, that it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Um, I understand where you're going. I know exactly you're talking about. I know. Yeah, the, yeah. the First Nations and all that. Yeah, yeah. there's... Uh, Absolutely. If I were to speak to them, James, they would give you the full unedited version of their opinion of the queen and her family. Cause I think there's something extremely dark that has happened. So, yes. Given that we are, that you and I are, are, are both pretty much deep down, down the rabbit hole. Do you think that these families are the descendants that, these bloodlines go back to the pharaohs, to the Babylonian emperors and things like that, that it's, that it's all in the blood. I think they believe it for sure. So that's how I start with that. As I say, that's something they believe. They believe in the preservation of their royal bloodlines. Um, why do they walk on the red carpet symbolically? Well, that's the bloodline. That's a symbolic uh, old Roman Babylonian, you know, sort of symbol. Um, and they, you also look at their symbolism. That's another big key. If you look at the symbolism that's employed by these royal families in their, um, you know, the, the lion and the unicorn, the, the cross and the crown, the, you know, the, even the Maltese cross that they use, which is the, you just get into it. Uh, even the coronation ceremony, um, my, my good friend and colleague, Michael Tessarian, who's a, you know, he's from Ireland. 
he studies this stuff intensely and he did a whole thing called the coronation of the queen and he went into the ceremony of the queen's coronation and showed all the astrological uh symbolism the religious symbolism the uh the, the symbolism that's egyptian it goes back to egyptian pharaohs um and it's just so interesting that whoever i don't even think they are the pinnacle either the the, the queen and prince charles they're also sort of the front i think for the real um managers that are behind them that are wow. you know like that they're not like at the tip of the spear they're again they're in the public eye as the carrot on the stick uh the real guys that run the show are you're not going to see them you're not going to hear from them but they you can track them by way of their symbolism at, that is just it's right in front of our faces that we can we can make these connections so that's an interesting field of research to get into but they must be the i mean okay the people at the tip of the spear they must have a they must be physical entities they must be bound by geography they must have i mean okay so you look at you look at the rothschilds for example you know where the rothschild family live they live in pretty spiffy spiffy houses you know J jacob's got one in corfu he's got another one you know and so on with nice gardens these guys I mean, okay, if they're bigger than the royals, if they're really at the tip of the spear, they must have some amazing piles somewhere, which which must have acres of grounds and farmland and a physical structure. So, no? There's that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, there's This is where it's all about speculation, right? Like, the Rothschilds are definitely up the pole for sure. Uh, when you see pictures of, like, what's his name, Evelyn Rothschild, sticking yeah. his finger in Prince Charles' chest yeah. and kind of talking down. Like, who gets to do that to the prince? Like, who gets to do that, right? Somebody that has that level of influence and power. And you got to remember, when you think of the history, a lot of these royal families were land wealthy. They were very wealthy because they had lots yeah. of land and they had palaces and all of that. But they weren't uh, really great with money. They always had the treasury department that would take care of that. So they eventually, over time, employed a lot of these banking families and dynasties to manage wealth for them. And um, so there's a relationship between your sort of bankster families, uh, your black nobility, your you know, modern day royals. It's, a, it's, I think, different aspects of the same club that doesn't mean they're all working in harmony together. These are gangs, these are criminal cartels yeah. that at sometimes they're at war with each other. Like think of the famous rivalry between the Hospitallers and the Templars, right? When the Templars had their little rebellion against the Catholic Church, the hospitalers were sort of the defenders of the faith. So there was a, a surface level rift there. But after they took out a lot of the top Templars, they went underground, they went to Switzerland, they went to er different areas, Scotland or whatever. Um, the, the Knights of Malta, they became the, the hospitalers became the Knights of Malta. And they accrued so much wealth that was actually originally came from the Templar escapades. They absorbed a lot of these Templars into their order. And I think a lot, they merged like a, mer a corporate merger. So on the surface, we see rivalries and all of these little gangs, but they're just fighting over maybe just different positions in the hierarchy. Um, it's not about good guys and bad guys. I think it's just criminal gangs uh, fighting for the thrones of power. And sometimes they work together and sometimes they fight within their own ranks. It's, uh, it's, you know, so it's a very complex history to get into, but it's, it's a fascinating history that people need to know about. Well, yeah, you and I are totally on the same page here. And I find this, this 
area of esoterica endlessly, endlessly fascinating. Um, because I, I used to want to be to hang with these people. I, I, I was educated with 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 some of these these people. You know, like Gottfried von Bismarck was in my is was in my college. Um, wow! And uh, you know, the, the Charles Charles Althorp, who's now um, Earl Spencer, is he? Yeah, Earl Spencer. Um, it was was in another college and stuff. And the thing I've noticed about the upper classes, um, they're quite often seriously fucked up. They have they have they have very they've had very weird upbringings where the parents have often not loved each other or or stuff, and and quite a lot of them develop alcohol problems or or drug habits and i used to put, i used to just put that down to well this is what happens when you've got too much money mm. but i wonder whether it's more than that and i, I we, we've, we've sort of hinted at this a bit but we haven't really uh, specified but the relationship between the black nobility and the occult and occult ceremonies some of them really really dark and I wonder whether maybe that's what sort of sends them over the edge that they have to live. They have to live in, in our world. And at the same time, there's another world which is closed off, exclusive, dependent on bloodlines. They feel apart from us. And the only way they can sort of escape from the sort of mental turmoil is to through drinking drugs. That's a good analysis. I would agree. And I would think that it's um, not everybody that's just, totally in it because they love it. It's they're raised in it. They're, you know, it's like yeah. they're raised in this environment. They're sort of groomed to be in these positions. And then if they are just as psychopathic at the rest, by the time they come of age, they're recruited into the upper ranks. If they're not, or they sense to, uh, either weakness um, or they sense that they're not really part of the religion then, or the family, as they like to call themselves in many cases, um, then they are taken care of. They're either demoted, they're publicly shamed, or you even see them get taken out, as in the case of uh, Diana and whatnot. So, um, which is just what I believe. I believe that was a total hit job. But, um, you know, I, I think that what we're starting to see is that more things are coming to the surface now about many of these institutions and these figures that people just, of their own virtue, just when, oh, well, I feel like I'm a good person. I don't have any grand design on world domination or pedophilia or any of that stuff. So therefore, they must also be like that. And people sort of project their virtue onto these characters. And remember, these characters are put in front of you almost like a movie, like a, a character in a movie. Like to me, Queen Elizabeth, King Charles, these royals, they're like movie characters for people. And people identify them as they do like fairy tale characters that they've heard about, like King Arthur and all that. But the reality... Is, is something I think that is totally different than that. And uh, I agree with you that uh, there are many that need to turn to that kind of a lifestyle just to cope with probably that split personality, that, that those two worlds that you're talking about. And I do believe those two worlds exist. There's sort of the, the criminal underworld that interfaces with the criminal overworld. And then there's all of us, just average folk that are sort of caught in the crossfire of that entire enterprise that's going on behind the scenes and, and that's really how i see it and, and how everybody plugs into that well that's why it's a lifetime of investigation to try to find out all those answers but we live in a time james where more is coming to light now than i've personally ever seen and so i'm very hopeful we're going to get some more answers on this stuff 
Yes, I think you're right. I think that there can never have been a time in history where as large a proportion of the population was aware of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. If you had to put, put a percentage on it, what would you say that are awake? Well, I would say um, so I started this around maybe 18 years ago, you know, doing this kind of deep research and then public work probably for about 11 years. And I've noticed a massive change in the amount of interest in my show, in the people that email me, even friends of mine, my sort of normie friends that would never look at this stuff are yeah. now extremely interested in hearing more about it. And, um, and then the last three years has given this amazing, well, not amazing, it's been just disastrous, but in one sense, it's been amazing to see people change their perspective on the world simply because of what we just went through, because they're asking that logical question, which is, hey, if they lied to me about this, what else are they lying to me about? And, and how deep does this go? Like we're learning about even the Anthony Fauci connection to these gain of function research and all this biological weapons in China. And we're learning about all this stuff in the public. And mm. I'm just saying, well, that's just, we're dipping our toe into this. And if you keep going, you can realize that this didn't just start with what happened in 2020. That was a pinnacle of something that's been going on for decades. And if you carry it back far enough, you can actually talk in terms of centuries, right? And that um, there's been, just to make it simple for people, these are people who are seeking power. That is their religion. Power accrued by gaining wealth, land, resources, and controlling the minds of human beings in order to achieve that. And there's also a lot of sickness that's involved in these people, as you're saying. And you wonder, are these guys interbred to such a point that there's actual, like, deformation of their physical brains like and their their genetics have been sort of they're just they're almost like a different species at this point like you start to wonder they operate like that they sort of view themselves as separate from the rest of us as you were saying and i agree with that but where does that come from where does that alienation come from on behalf of these particular elite classes we've seen it throughout history and we're seeing it now so what is that is it just corruption is it psychopathy is it interbreeding or is it a belief in the fact that they may believe they are lineage to some of these ancient pharaonic dynasties and possibly do they even believe that they are descendants from either off world or otherworldly beings? You know, whether that's true or not is, is separate, but do they believe it and do they operate almost as if they are the pure ones and we are the, the dirty sort of intermixed uh, sort of plebes that are there to be ruled by them? What kind of what what started that whole process of thought on their part? You know, it's it's a question. Well, I I, I think that they belong to a slightly different subspecies. I I think <laughs> I think that's that's a good spec. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm here. To, I want to hear about it because I think what what explains how alien they operate towards? Okay, us? what explains that? Okay, do you want me to show you some really crazy shit? You're going to love this. Uh, a friend of mine was being shown, was, was being taken on a, on a tour around Buckingham Palace. And it was, you know, sort of, I can't remember the circumstances. It, it wasn't a general public tour. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the areas where you normally go. Right. And they were taken to this room where they were shown 
I think there were murals of dragons and humans, but the the dragons were clearly they weren't sort of the scary. They weren't like they weren't being fought. The humans were relating with the dragons. The dragons were clearly part mm. of the furniture. They were being trained or being, and it was made clear that nobody should nobody should take photographs of this room or anything like that. Now, I think my, my, my theory is that there is some reptilian connection between the, the, the raw bloodlines. And um, indeed, there's a, there's a podcast that I, I keep threatening to release and haven't yet, where, where she talks about this. Um, I, I asked her about the, the, the Rothschild bloodline, I think it was, I think. And she mentioned that, yes, they have. Uh, oh, that's right. I said, what is blue blood? And she said, well, it's basically dragon blood. So I think that there is some kind of reptilian thing going on. You know, not, I'm not saying that they pull off their heads and, and, and crocodiles. Right, right. Under, under, but I, I think that they are not quite as we are. And I also think, by the way, you, you may think I'm crazy, that their connections with the occult have enabled them to master the art of transmigration of souls where or, where they can move they can reincarnate hmm. it's know, fascinating you, i've heard of all of this james I, I i i keep an open mind to it i um just so you know my first love my first curiosity before i actually was probably religion mythology i was always interested in that but i was always very much interested in ufology and you know the I, this whole field especially the ancient uh, connections, right? I did yeah. a bunch of shows on ancient aliens with History Channel and whatnot. But, um, and there's a lot of wacky theories in that world, but there are some that you just can't look at and walk away from. There are some very interesting connections that you think, okay, let's start with the ancient mythological record. What if that's not just a bunch of campfire stories that people were talking about because they were bored? Uh, what if they were using cultural symbolic allegory to describe a truth that they couldn't quite understand themselves. And so it comes out a little garbled, a little weird, but if you look at it and compare it to traditions all over the world that are supposedly never to have even come in contact with each other, that are really telling the same story over and over again through different characters, different motifs, but it's the same trend. Um, there's a great book called Past Shock. Um, the gentleman's name's escaping me right now. But he had a statement in that book, and he said in his research, he was a historian, in his research, he traced over 30,000 ancient texts. These are just the surviving texts that we have, 30,000 ancient texts from all over the world that talk about an advanced civilization or advanced beings yeah. either coming to Earth to interface with primitive man or that were already owners of this Earth before we came into being as to what we are. So yeah. there's kind of two versions of the story. And some people would say, maybe it was a bit of both. Maybe there's a whole wacky universe out there that we can't even comprehend. And then you think about it. Um, would you, you have the stories in the book of Enoch, for example, about the watchers or the fallen yeah. angels, right? The That's Nephilim. Think. Right. And you go, some people say reptilian, some people say it. So you got the religious mind that thinks it's all spiritual. It's all demons and angels. And these guys are possessed by demons, right? Yeah. You have the Gnostic. The Gnostic perspective of the archons, right? The archontic uh, possession of the mind. 
almost like a mind parasite of some kind. And then you have people like me that I just take a much more Phil Schneider nuts and bolts approach to this subject to say, guys, do you really think we're alone in the universe? Is it so far fetched to think that there's like maybe a Vulcan like race that uh, came to this planet, saw primitive species here. And from that moment on, just ask yourself, what would we humans do if we were in that position? So let's say you have the United Nations and NATO and all that America, and they are able to have space travel. And they go to a planet that's bearing life that's in our galaxy or whatever. And they see there's a primitive culture, a primitive species there that's never seen technology before, kind of like the Australian Aborigines who still worship airplanes to this day. Mm. Uh, and you think, the, what would that culture think of this, these probes and these spaceships coming down? And what would we do if we went there? We would... Uh, no. <laughs> no problem. Oh, blimey. Hello? Yes? Oh, Jojo, can I call you back? I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> okay, bye. Do you know, David, people get so pissed off when, when I do this, but I don't know how to turn my phone off. And um, uh, Oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I so, get it. Yeah. I was just saying, what would we humans do um, to those primitive people? We would, you know, what, what, have, what have we done on this planet to people that were considered primitive what did the british empire do what did the roman empire do what did the islamic slave trade do oh, like yeah. so you just think about somebody doing to us what we have done to each other and it's not that much of a stretch of the imagination is it no no i agree i mean that would be a very good rationalization of how we would behave if we had perfected the art of intergalactic travel and we would do exactly that i i mean i'm I'm not down that, that particular rabbit hole because I think that um, God created the world and this, this is it. And, 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 you know, I'm of the Nephilim faction. I think that, I think that these, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, we're all in the same, we're all in the same room of discussion, right? Like I go with the more Giordano Bruno perspective that, you know, um, multiple varieties of every kind exist to glorify the creator and the whole thing. Um, and that we inhabit a massive universe that's very similar to the universe within our bodies and the whole thing. It's just a microcosm, macrocosm. But if you don't take that and you go more with the, the Bible and just that straight interpretation, we're still in the same conversation because whether you think these beings are sort of interdimensional or spiritual and that earth is all there is, or whether you believe we live in a vast infinite universe, we're still dealing with something not us that is that views us as a valuable resource and operates in that fashion so it, we're still in that same room of discussion either way so i'm thinking look because of all our technical glitches which have been really annoying because uh, i've been so looking forward to this podcast we're going to have to do another one at some stage um sure yes so we can go. but so just just for this one where do you think where are you on how all this ends are you optimistic? Where do, where do we go from here? Well, I, I mean, I'm realistic on one sense because I see the situation we're in. I don't, um, you know, want to blow hopium uh, at people, but I'm also just, that's my personality to be optimistic because, uh, you know, I've got kids, I've got stake in the game and I'm the kind of person that says, I'm going to fight this to the bloody end, you know, win, lose or draw. 
but I do see signs that um, there is, it's not just the forces of evil at work in this world, that uh, we live in a duality. There are good people that are fighting back and doing what they can. And then of course, there are people who are corrupted that are trying to achieve their game. And we're at a sort of uh, crossroads right now where these global elites and all of those people involved are no longer taking the long road approach. They used to take the slow, uh, the slow strategy of just Fabians. over time, Fabians, there you go. And, but they've sped it up. They've hit the gas pedal. And by speeding up the process, for whatever reason that caused that, they've uh, gotten a little bit sloppier than they used to be. And things are getting out and more people are waking up. And I, a part of me just uh, believes that if enough people see it, we're taking our consciousness, our, our uh, we're taking our energy away from helping them maintain this power grab that they're going for because they can't do it without us. Right. Um, and even though we see the evidence of this agenda for depopulation and all of that, uh, they still need, they still need a group of us. They still need some of us here. And the only way that power has ever been able to be maintained is if they can keep those people in a trance, in a sort of belief system yeah. where they're willing to give their power away. So the more people that wake up, what's happening is they're trying to find more ways to become more self-sufficient. They're not spending their money in those companies and corporations that are part of that cabal. They're out there trying to you know, alert people that they, they love about this situation. And so I see more and more of that. And I can only hope that uh, in the end, this system will come down and uh, and humanity might be at a breaking point of where we can actually, uh, for once, be able to evolve towards our true destiny that I believe was interrupted by uh, the people we've been talking about. So it's a, you know, maybe some people think it's pie in the sky, but I choose to remain optimistic for the time being, because what other mentality can you go to war with, James? Can you go to war thinking you're going to lose? I think uh, I call upon my martial arts where I say, no. You go in certain of victory, and if, if defeat comes your way, you fought bravely, and uh, you, you know you have a better chance of success if you have that mindset. You know. Yeah, totally. I, I, no, I, I share your your um, childhood um, obsession with with knights and, and and stuff like that. And you nice. you you develop the martial side, and and the thing I've really got into is late in life is riding, um, you know, hunting. Oh, good. Um, uh, and it's. It's like being in a cavalry charge. It's just like being on a horse is, is you are a cowboy. You are a, you are a cavalryman. You are a knight in shining armor. It's, it's the same relationship between man and man and horse going, going fast, going over obstacles. It's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But, but also, you know, even though you're, you, you haven't got the kind of Christian view of the world, what you've described is actually when, when, God puts his his king on the holy uh, the holy hill of Zion, and and th th there is this there is this when we've sorted out out the, the bad guys, there is this golden era, which is exactly like the one you describe, where where you know the righteous live in peace and harmony, and I believe that. I mean, it it, it is written; it's going to happen. I I doubt somehow that I'm going to be around to 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 see it but that's okay because i know that we're in the we're heading in the right direction and that god's got our back so so yeah i'm 
well, Jesus has got our back. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I mean, well, and, yeah, and there's different ways of looking at the same thing, but I think we all see the same thing. I think we all see that. Um, I believe that a lot of this has already happened before and that we're going through this yet again in a new rendition for our time. And maybe there's a bigger plan to upgrading the human soul, the human mind to uh, uh, bring us to the next level by giving us the appropriate oppositional force to grind us into that diamond. You know, it's like the way diamonds are forged, the way katana swords are made. They're made through pressure, through uh, bending and smashing and burning. And, you know, that's where you're forged uh, from. And so humanity is being given an opportunity. And I think in the end, the choice is ours. And then there's so much of it that I believe also is out of our hands. And uh, there are higher forces that are behind all of it. And I love that. I think it was uh, Charles Lindbergh Jr. Was the junior or senior that said something similar where he said, when you're pursuing the truth or when you're pursuing the good, unseen forces come to guide you and aid you. And I've, that quote yeah. has stayed with me. And I believe that whether we see that golden age of freedom and truth and justice and beauty that we all want for our children or not, it's uh, upon us men in this time and women to fight this for those future generations and carry that torch forward. And, um, but I do believe that we're in the age of revealing. It's been uh, prophesied by almost every tradition you can imagine. And I yeah. think we see it happening right now in front of our eyes. And that gives me hope that we're seeing the truth come to light. Well, have you read Isaiah? Oh, I yeah. mean, very familiar. Great. with yes. Whoa. I just, uh, I mean, that's visionary stuff. And I, I, I think it's, 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 it's about the best book in the Bible, just because it's got the richest vocabulary, you know, that the, um, the, 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 the word variety in Isaiah is greater than in any other book of the, of, of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and when you see these predictions made hundreds of years before Christ being fulfilled in Christ, it, it kind of does your head in. I mean, it's amazing stuff, but yeah. Right. I mean, and there's been many, and I, the way I sort of look at it as maybe this is the blueprint handed to us from our ancestors of how to face and confront evil and that they lived through it in their time and that we keep going through these different cycles. I guess I maybe view it slightly different where I would say it's not just a start date and end date. It's that we're on a cycle of kind of reliving many of these experiences until we upgrade to the point where we can move on to new experiences. And so many that have predicted in the past are predicting because they experienced it in their time and it's the old saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. It just keeps happening until a certain amount of, I guess, critical mass awareness hits the consciousness of humanity. And then a new uh, challenge emerges for us to conquer and on we go. And I think when humans get put up against the precipice, they get put up against the wall. That's where we shine the most. If we're just left to our devices and it's just go to the surf and just enjoy, then we kind of devolve a little bit in our awareness. But when we're up against uh, a, a great adversary or challenge, that's when the brightest parts of your inner light come forward. And that's the whole point of this entire uh, bigger picture, I think. Yes. Go, truth warrior. Absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, blood. I'm, like, I'm next to you in, in the shield wall. Um, good man, good man. Um, David, where can people? We've got to do another one. Yeah, you, you agree? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Let's yeah. do it. Let's. Um, do it. So, uh, where can people find your 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 podcast and stuff? 
Best website is uh, dwtruthwarrior.com. And that's where you can find all my stuff. Uh, if you want to watch my new series, it's available. I've got nine chapters out. Uh, it's available for free. And you can get that at cultofthemedics.com. And, uh, and then I also do a premium show with Michael Tessarian on many of these subjects. And it's called unslaved.com. But again, dwtruthwarrior.com is the portal. You'll find everything there. That sounds really good. Um, and let's hope, let's hope it recorded. I mean, <laughs> that would be nice. It says 99% now. So I think we'll oh, get... that's good. That's good. Well, so let's hope, hope first... the first part. Let's hope the first. Part. I hope the first part records as well. Um, yeah. And, and viewers and listeners, thank you. I, I appreciate you watching and, and thank you for your support. You can support me on, on locals, on Subscribestar, on, on Substack and on Patreon. And you know, the, the powers that be, they want to close people like me and David down. So you need to support us to, to keep us going. Because otherwise we're we're screwed and they win. Um, thank you very much. Um, that was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, James. Love your show. Uh, let's do it again. I'll make sure my internet signal is up to scratch and we'll get it all solved. I want I, I want to go <laughs> I want to go over some of this the stuff we've been talking about in more detail because I've heard you sure. talking about the black nobility and stuff. I think I think this is this is next level shit that we need to deal with. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Thanks again, James, and uh, all the best to you, mate. Keep doing this great work. Thanks a lot. And you. Bye-bye.